Hello everybody and welcome to the ESI Focus where we delve into a specific sector of the esports industry with a special guest. This is the first of a four-part series on fan engagement which is presented by Really.ai so check out their content, fan engagement services on their website, the lovely folks. In this episode we're going to be discussing converting a fan base into customers and kind of the importance of utilizing fan engagement alongside activations and tools to optimize this transition. But I'm not alone though as you could probably see i'm joined by aquatic esports his vice president of strategic partnerships and ex-game informer associate publisher rob baum so rob how are you hey i'm doing good thank you for having me today tom yeah we were just like briefly talking about before we were even going to jump in about fan engagement as a whole so before we kind of discuss fan engagement and that that kind of transition from customer from fan to customer uh let's kind of hear a little bit more about you so what's your past experience in esports and kind of you know how did you get into esports and, and what has drove you down this route you got it tom well actually i'm fairly new uh to esports I, i'd like to say i'm about a yearish new but i would consider myself a veteran of the games market um you had referenced Game Informer at the top of the intro. Uh, yeah, 20 years. Um, it was a great ride, uh, a wonderful media outlet, and it was time to move on. Um, and I would say the two components that I extracted uh, from Game Informer would be number one, relationships, um, both on the endemic and non-endemic side. Uh, that means of the games market and then those brands outside of the games market. Um, and then, of course, my knowledge of the space and the IPs. Um, and so, you know, as I mentioned, I'm really about a year new into the space of esports, having a blast. And quite frankly, now that I'm settled in, I can tell that there are a lot who are trying to figure out the space. Um, so I think this is a wonderful topic today, engagement. So definitely like coming from like the, the partnership sector itself, like is that what kind of drew you to Aquatic and into esports was kind of trying to fix how uh, partnerships and engagement can kind of bring, you know, esports and non-endemic brands together? Absolutely. And, you know, I don't know if the term fix is appropriate, but I would mm. say maybe understand it more and figure out how to communicate those opportunities uh, in different ways. So absolutely. And for us at Aquatic, our primary revenue model is sponsorship, which is why I think today's topic engagement is so important because guess what? Those brands, whether endemic or not, they want to see an engaged community. And so, mm -hmm. you know, that is a focal point, uh, you know, at Aquatic and I would guess other esports orgs as well. We take it very seriously. It's something that actually is a life of its own, meaning you don't just set it and walk away. It's constant tweaking, it's constant measurement. And in many cases, you'll throw out a piece of content that sometimes surprises you either at the lack of engagement or the lack of not be having enough engagement. So it's constant tweaking there. Yeah, and I think what's very interesting is, is we kind of discussed a little bit is that there's different types of fan engagement. Fan engagement isn't just, you know, uh, to kind of get clicks on social media. Sometimes that is actually the primary purpose, but it's about having that kind of goal and using fan engagement and using partnerships and tools and activations to kind of get to that goal. So to jump into that straight away, then I, I do want to ask like the overarching question, like why is 
fan engagement then so crucial in acquiring customers? Like, why is that important for, you know, taking fans which you have got and making them into paying customers? Well, and I guess it all de depends on how we define paying customers. I already shared our top line model, my, uh, model that being sponsorship. Um, so I'm going to, for the sake of my answer, convert that from a paying customer into a loyal fan, at least for us, because once again, our fan base is really, you know, the uh, qualitative and quantitative components that help us to sell sponsorships. So really, that engagement does become the denominator at the end of the day to the value of your fan base and building that loyalty. Um, and so, you know, to me, I look at that conversion as being more of long lasting loyalty base. So, for instance, at Aquatic, what we focus on is really bringing esports to everyone. And we focus on uh, having solid recreational experiences, whether that at the creator level or the tournament level. And because of that, really, our level of engagement is about offering opportunities, offering opportunities for notoriety. Um, we find that in fan base, you know, th first of all, this is a very fickle audience. Um, I, you know, 20 years at Game Informer, I can tell you that the gamer, um, they're very specific about their IPs, what they play, the equipment mm -hmm. they have. Um, and so, you know, this isn't just any other type of audience. This isn't the NBA who's been around for 75 years. And yet the NBA has, you know, historic uh, levels of engagement. This is different. And so, you know, for us, it's really about garnering that loyalty. And so to me, the engagement is about loyalty more than anything else. So it's, it's quite interesting then. So you kind of saying that in terms of getting kind of that um, customer who will be willing to either buy through merch or buy through membership programs, it's kind of important to say, right, let's focus on just getting them being loyal to the organization itself. Because I feel like what's uh, for me, seeing kind of a transition is that it used to be all about the player and the personality in that organization. But now it's kind of transitioning into let's make a model to make the organization itself also kind of, you know, have a fan base around it. We've seen it with competitive for years, haven't we? Where it's like you get a player as soon as they move to another team, half their fan base also moves as well. So is it kind of also striking that to get the organization uh, a loyal fan base as well? Absolutely. And I really believe that a vast amount of or esports organizations are still in what I call investment mode, where they're building, retaining that fan base. Um, I don't know if this is a good analogy or not, but I don't know, you know how many people were paying attention back in September of 2020. That's when Amazon that's when Amazon turned on their ad platform for Twitch. And up to that point, it had no real, you know, sort of uh, ad network sort of integration. And the point being is Twitch had existed for such a long period of time. What it was it, 2014, I believe, mm -hmm. is when Amazon acquired them. And they just let it set. They let it grow. They let it, uh, you know, kind of nurture. So I think there are even esports orgs who are still in that investment mode not entirely, you know, sure to what degree they are going to monetize it, but it's better to have a large loyal fan base um, to turn that switch on than to try and do both at the same time, if that makes sense.
Yeah, no, I, I think I agree. And I think that then it kind of leads on to something that I also want to talk about. And it's like finding that balance between fan engagement activations in terms of uh, how do you kind of as an organization find this balance between, you know, rewarding the loyal customers and the loyal fan bases and then also trying to garner new fan bases? Because I'm guessing the two totally different types of activations and tools around that as well. Yeah, great question. Um, and I think we're all trying to figure that out. Once again, just to be fully transparent and, and honest here. And here again, to throw this back to Aquatic, one of the components we use is notoriety. Um, we know that this fickle fan base, they like notoriety. And by us infusing more of that, showing off the work of our community's uh, creator uh, work, not only is that, um, you know, ensuring deeper loyalty out of the individual that we're featuring, but it's showing a broader community that this is our pace and we're known um, for that sort of program in providing that sort of exposure. So I hope that answered your question a little bit as well. Yeah, no. And I just kind of want to know, like, what's like the thought process between like, okay, we're going to do uh, this campaign on either this platform, or we're going to do this social media campaign. Is there a thought process of like, right, okay, well, these are the type of fans we're going to be targeting with this one, or we're going to try and get new fans coming in, you know, and it's kind of like building that fan base, but also making sure that you're also appeasing to that loyal fan base who could potentially go into paying customers, you know, whether through merch or through like me uh, membership platforms. Right, exactly. So to answer your question, it's all about the analytics. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we've got the concepts that sound good, many of them, uh, that can even be proven in other spaces. That doesn't necessarily mean it's foolproof within your space uh, from a timing perspective or even an execution perspective. So we focus on the analytics and we keep really good tracking um, from a concept perspective tied to the analytics. Um, and we trust those because at the end of the day, the, the numbers and the following doesn't lie. So it, I would say the answer is the analytics, really being on top of it um, and connecting that back to your execution and those concepts. Yeah, definitely. And I think, uh, I think the analytics is something that probably not a lot of people like to talk about and discuss because it's all data and, you know, it's, it's graphs and charts and, and making sure you go back on things. But it's so crucial to understanding your audience to know actually this is what the audience wants. And so we should deliver on that, you know, and I feel like that just applies to a lot of industries. It's not just esports itself. And so kind of going further then into that, um, I'm, I'm guessing what the answer is going to be is yes, but I want to talk about more is kind of with having these fan engagement activations, that doesn't automatically convert a fan base into a loyal fan base. What are the other processes that you feel like need to go into this as well? Because it's not just as good to put a social media platform or do a partnership or go onto this tool. What are the other processes you need to do? You know, I, I would say our motto, um, at least with our org, is that, you know, we we make sure that we give something before we ask for something. So it can be as simple as uh, providing, you know, content that is useful to that particular audience member um, and making sure that it resonates and it's useful and it's tangible to that particular audience member. Doing that before we ask of anything of them, basically. And, and, and I think ultimately, 
you know, what at least makes us, I believe, different is really having one heck of a great community manager with huge amounts of support behind her and her staff. You know, that is a never ending um, job. Um, and it's something that um, can easily be screwed up if you miss that engagement or the frequency of that engagement. And so, you know, that community manager and having a support staff for that important role, I really believe is the denominator here to engagement. Uh, because these are communities where it's exchange, we're exchanging uh, information, we're exchanging what we know, we, we're exchanging what we like, uh, we're exchanging those experiences. Um, so I really believe that is a pillar uh, to anything engagement, uh, quite frankly. The other item I'd like to reference regarding analytics, remember analytics are there primarily for two reasons. Number one, to help grow your community and understand how your community is reacting and, and latching onto. But then number two, you're gonna be using similar analytics, if not the exact same tools, to go out and sell that audience uh, to the brands uh, for your business, essentially. And like you said, I, I feel like having this kind of support system, um, you know, everybody talks about, again, you know, you've got like social media management, you've got, uh, you know, backroom staff, you've got, you know, even like if it's competitive, like players, coaches and everything. But having that kind of specific sector dedicated towards ad marketing campaigns, making sure that it you know it appeals to the right people. Because as you will probably know, like gaming and esports, like everything changes within a couple of weeks. You know, it could be a completely different thing. And you've probably had cases where it's been like, um, we were going to run this, but then suddenly it's probably not as relevant as what it was you know, at that time. Like how, how hard is it to kind of just keep going with the trends as well with, with regards to fan engagement? You know, you're absolutely right. And, and there are moments where you can catch yourself chasing your tail. And I think at that point, you need to be careful because your audience will pick up on that a little bit too, which is why I think it's important um, to, yes, be abreast of the information, the developments and the news uh, within the space. And, but to manage that um, in a way that's still in your voice as you're presenting it to your audience, meaning, you know, you know, don't just keep doing 180s. Um, and I think you need mm -hmm. to remain true to deciding why, what your platform is uh, with your organization or platforms, plural, uh, in terms of topics, and try not to deviate too far from that. Um, and I think, you know, that's where you begin to build that consistency. And, and that's ultimately what comes out of that is loyalty. Did that answer your question? I hope so. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. And I think, it, I think it actually leads on to kind of a next topic that I want to discuss, which is some of the methods c that can kind of help this conversion between a, a casual fan and a, loyal, and a loyal fan. So, like, why is it so important to have the correct tools available to you to kind of get this conversion correct? Well, it's because it, 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 the, the analytics don't lie. Um, so I do consider those tools, number one. Um, and so you can launch a program and go out to dinner with your staff and pat each other on the back and say, boy, what a wonderful job we did. But if you're not getting people to engage with the content, um, then uh, you know those numbers don't lie at the end of the day. So there are other tools we use. Some of them are very production and process oriented as well. 
um, which ultimately lead to quicker, better marketing. One of those is a product that we began using a few months ago called Really.ai, R-E-E-L-Y. Um, and what that is, is it's a video management tool that basically has algorithm, algorithms built into it. So if you're streaming or like when we uh, cast our tournaments, it's capturing some of those specific moments within the play and it's docking those and getting them ready for you so that you don't have to go back after the tournament or the stream and wade through all that content, mark your spots. Um, and it's basically doing that editing for you as well, too. I mean, there are a lot of creators in the space who do wonderful work, but they're not necessarily editors. And then they find themselves spending 10 hours after a wonderful stream, you know, dicing up all this wonderful content. That's a tool we've been using. We love it. It's efficient. And then we use it because it automatically triggers those marketing moments for as well, too. And I think obviously it really is sponsoring the fan engagement thing. But at the end of the day, like their services in terms of kind of making it a little bit more optimized. It's all about optimizing kind of the time of day. You know, if you can get something which kind of, you know, using AI gets these clips and makes it easier for the streamers or for the organization themselves, that gives them plenty more time to go into other sectors and do other brand management or make that content look even better under the same time restraints that you could have done. Uh, and I agree. I think what is good for you to have said there is that I like the fact that you've used analytics as a tool. Like it, it depends on kind of the budget of which an organization has got or you know, which a company has got, but there are always going to be engagement opportunities, whether it be free or whether it be, you know, a million pounds. Yeah, there's always going to be something which you can use to better engage with your audience. And I think that's really, really important, as you were saying. Absolutely. I would agree. So I think with kind of what other... Um, sorry. What other kind of tools are uh, Aquatic using? Is it just really... Is it... Um, analytics you know, are they using kind of other things which can kind of help with social media you know because fan engagement like you said it's such a wide topic it goes into content social media partnerships everything really yeah yo, you're absolutely right um, there's another tool we use primarily for our Instagram account um, you know it's interesting because uh, there are some esports orgs that are heavy strong in Twitter there are others that are heavy strong in Instagram um, we're more, you know, prominent on the Instagram side. And so we use a tool by that's called Iconosquare. And we like it because it goes ultra granular. Um, you know, you can even see activity. That oh, I think you, you cut off that a little bit. Could you say what the, the tool is again? Sorry. Oh, you got it. Yeah. So it's an analytics tool designed specifically for Instagram uh, named Iconosquare. Mm -hmm. And what's nice about that tool is you can you know, see patterns and go very granular on your uh, social media activity. Uh, you can even trace, you know, steps that were almost taken, but you didn't get the full activation so that you can go back and retarget. Uh, so that's another uh, third party tool we like and use quite often. And is that, um, it's really interesting actually, because something that people, even myself at that point, haven't really thought about is, you know, it's not just social media, there's different platforms involved. So how like important is it when you're trying to gain these, like I said, you know, it's all about gaining these loyal fan bases, making sure that they can kind of engage with you, which should hopefully help with, you know, other kind of revenue opportunities. Like, is it 
so important to kind of tailor something specifically to a social media which you are targeting because i'm guessing that the engagement from instagram would be different than twitter and different from facebook and it, probably regionally obviously that makes a lot of difference as well absolutely and full disclosure you know we're still trying to figure out tiktok at least as it relates mm. to our org um because you're absolutely right your execution how you're going to speak to a group via a different platform makes a world of difference. Um, and so, like I mentioned, we're strong in Instagram, uh, not as strong on Twitter, which I believe, you know, Twitter, uh, for lack of a better way to phrase this, has more of a headline kind of business-oriented communication, uh, whereas I believe Instagram's a little more playful. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, just because one org is strong in one platform doesn't mean that that recipe applies to the various platforms. Like I mentioned, we're still trying to figure out TikTok ourselves. And, and I think that that even goes like beyond esports, as you said, specifically with content creators as well. How many content creators have got massive followings on YouTube, but then you look at the Twitch and the, the audience isn't there because it's all about kind of generating that style of which you've engaged your audience, which maybe just doesn't relate to the different platforms. So like I said, it goes beyond quite a, even esports, especially like you said, with content and creators and things like that. Yeah. I, I do want to talk about your opinion, though, on the membership model. So how... Like, obviously, at, at this stage of Aquatic, I, I don't know where you are in the thought process of membership models, but what are your thoughts of having that as a way of kind of creating a loyal customer or a loyal fan? Sorry. I like the idea. Um, I like it specifically for Aquatic due to our rec league focus. Mm -hmm. um, it may not apply to all orgs that exist out there, but I like the idea. I think it's worth a test at some point. Um, it, lo and behold, we are actually working on a platform um, that is a software as a service that we will be announcing rather soon. Um, <laughs> and, and I promise you, at least from an industry perspective, you'll be the first one I reach out to when we're ready to talk about this. Um, and so within that platform that we're very close to launching closed beta on, um, this is based on a... Uh, a, a member revenue uh, model. Um, but back to the esports org without the platform, I still think there's possibly a home and a, a place for that. Um, and it would be worth testing. I, I think as well, like, um, with like the membership model, is it kind of, I, I feel like there's a lot of debate on terms of like traditional forms of revenue is what I'm trying to say here. So like merch drops and, you know, the more like traditional kind of buy our t-shirt, buy our merchandise kind of thing. Is is it is esports going beyond that to kind of engage with those customers or will that always be there or will they need to be integrated into, you know, different activations or different platforms? I think they need to, we need to go beyond that to engage with our customers. You know, one common trend I'm seeing out there among uh, many other orgs is using the term lifestyle now. And, and of course mm -hmm. we can reference phase clan. I mean, which to me is the anomaly. They're the high, you know, and then we've got orgs that some of them might be considered more of the low, but the, the, the commonality I'm seeing now is orgs trying to become more of a lifestyle brand um, and I think it's a smart idea. I think it's uh, resonating with many fan bases that exist out there. But my question, my question for you, or my answer to you is we're having to explore outside 
just the common typical merch drop and even just become beyond the common typical sponsor revenue model as well to looking for other revenue sources out there, which is why I do think the uh, paid membership route is is curious and interesting to me. Um, but here again, back to that fickle audience, you know, it you need to proceed carefully um, in terms of what that approach would be and, and really what are they getting at the end of the day? Does it have value? Are there tangibles attached uh, to your membership program? And And I would say the answer needs to be yes and proven uh, before you launch such a program, uh, because you could ultimately risk what you have spent a great deal of time building, that being the fan base. Yeah, because at the end of the day, with with these membership programs, obviously we've seen it uh, most recently, probably the biggest one was like Liquid Plus. Um, they need to kind of be worth it. I know that sounds really silly, like, but like you need to kind of have paid into that membership and those fans immediately be like, okay, no, this is worth it. Kind of as much as you would have with a, a Netflix subscription or something like that or something else which you're invested with. So how much time and effort do you think kind of needs to go into, again, your data-wise, analytics-wise, knowing what people want? Uh, it, that's critical. Um, and I mean, and you almost need to have the answer before you turn that switch on. Um, mm. And quite frankly, in my opinion, you're still not turning a switch on. You're slowly testing, you're A-B testing, you're bringing in various groups, sampling and offering. Um, so to, to answer your question, the analytics, you almost need to have a high degree of confidence before you would ever move your org into a vast change uh, such as a membership model. I remember you know, back to Game Informer, uh, the paywall was a big topic mm -hmm. um, for paid content. Um, it quickly came and gone, and now we're starting to see it kind of come back again. New York Times being one of them that has a paywall, and rightfully so. Uh, they do have genuine, authentic content, um, in my opinion, that I believe is not a rehash of content that we're seeing among other media outlets. And so to me, for them, it's a model that I believe works. It didn't at first, though, I can tell you as associate publisher of Game Informer, running the third largest magazine in the U.S., you know, I was in touch with other publishers and knew what their pain points were and their pressure points were. And so back to the paywall, that didn't work at first. Why I believe it's working today is because I think that the those who consume content in news media, not unlike fans consuming content of esports organizations, they've grown and they know the difference of rehashing content versus a, original and authentic content. Um, so I do think the membership model could work for some orgs, but you got to tread delicately and you got to yeah. know you know, your tests and, and the analytics because they don't lie. I, I think treading delicately is, is, is something that is, is perfectly said because at the end of the day, like it's, especially with the fan engagement with the news and media, that was something that I don't think that people were kind of ready for initially. And people were very much, it, it's kind of new. I don't really fully want this because we've had it free all this time. It's like keep those thoughts keep going around. So as long as more and more of these kind of platforms start appearing, I think more and more fans get used to kind of having this membership service and, and everything like that. And I think it's it's kind of just easing people into it. But then also it's 
making good examples with something so simple as this if you have five or six organizations who have really bad you know membership programs that could actually put off a lot of people so it's making sure that kind of everyone in this process is kind of perfect throughout that you are absolutely right so you you're what i'm hearing from you is you know you one org could have a great plan in place with content that resonates among their fan base and but another org could kind of trip over their membership offering and because of that experience it could kind of taint the pool so you're absolutely right and i believe back to my reference earlier about the paywall with other media outlets that's kind of what happened um but it's come back now and i think um i i think you're going somewhere with your idea in terms of a membership um for some of these orgs for sure but then to to kind of play uh, devil's advocate a little bit i think that there is this major topic with regards to kind of this transition between fan base and loyal fan bases is there actually enough of a loyal fan base right now to be going into this? So it's often mentioned, uh, specifically, you mentioned it before with, with NBA, traditional fans, they spend, uh, like the rumor is that they spend probably more on average than esports fans, which given like the lineage of traditional sports, you'd expect. But what is it because of the fact that, that, that traditional sports has been going on for so long? And so you kind of need to make these steps to make sure that esports fans are willing to spend a little bit more money and kind of gain that trust from organizations. Yeah, no, great point. Um, and I don't believe we're apples uh, to apples in any physical professional sports comparison. And I believe that's part of one of the, ch one of the challenges that orgs are having as it relates mm -hmm. to sponsorships today is is uh, communicating and showing and celebrating those differences, quite frankly. Um, you know, I think the other part about, you know, drawing in loyalty and engagement uh, with a fan base is you need, each org needs to come to the realization that, you know, they're not only dedicated to you, they're going off to other groups and orgs and, yeah. and, and activating and, and engaging, quite frankly. Um, and so that needs to be a part of your strategic planning and thought process as well, too. Whereas back to traditional physical sports, you know, that's a regional breakout pretty much. Uh, you know, I'm up here in Minnesota where we're all Vikings for football, mm -hmm. um, quite frankly. And, and so I'm not saying it makes it any easier if for a pro org to communicate to their fan base but it definitely focuses in on your target um, and how you contain that target differently than in the world of esports. Why? Because they're jumping around. They, they're loyal to more than one um, mm -hmm. group and that's okay. We need to celebrate that quite frankly. I think uh, what's what I always find with, with esports and fan bases right now in esports is that there is this just massive pool of kind of casual fans right now in esports. Well, with traditional sports, like you said, it's got that lineage, you know, it's got that history behind it. It's got even the regionalization behind it as well. But with esports, there's just this massive pool. And now we're starting to see organizations started to grab that and drag these people into their own separate pools as well. So I, I do think that eventually you will get more and more of a fan base going on, especially as, you know, the likes of, you know, FaZe, Team Liquid, TSM, those organizations keep going and keep developing because you've got to think 
esports hasn't been around nowhere near as long it feels like a long time but in terms of especially from an organization standpoint it's really not so kind of having these long-standing organizations continue then new organizations come and it's also very title specific as well there's a lot of different things as you said with regards to getting these fans but to kind of like you know not wind down the conversation but jump into kind of another thing which i do want to talk to you about do you think that this will like these transition to from a fan base to a loyal fan base from a casual fan base to a loyal fan base do you think that that will ultimately occur in time or do you think that the organizations need to kind of push this and and utilize this i think uh, the answer is a combination of both in my humble opinion meaning there are some components and elements that I think will naturally settle in. Um, you know, we as humans, we are brand specific. Uh, and sometimes we do that unconsciously. Uh, we're not conscious of it, basically. Um, and so I think on that viewpoint, it'll naturally happen for a certain amount of the base. And then in reality, I believe a lot of the orgs still, including ourselves, have to figure out what those steps are to build that loyalty. Um, and, and really, it's something that's ongoing. Uh, why? Because you referenced mm -hmm. earlier in this meeting, you know, that it seems like almost on a daily basis, there's new information uh, 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 regarding titles and IPs um, and factions that are breaking out uh, where, you know, that needs to be considered into how you're, communicating and involving involving your audience as well too so that's never never ending that that testing yeah i think as well like even myself i would not consider myself like a massive fan of one organization but to kind of then jump into that a little bit detail do you think that it, there's a way of kind of having i feel like there's more fan bases of titles loyal fan bases of the titles right now than there are esports organizations do you, is it kind of beneficial for an esports organization then to kind of target a specific title to kind of grab those kind of fan bases in to convert them into customers through specific title orientated partnerships as well well i think uh, the answer is yes and they're doing it because that's the data they have like uh, mm. certain ips have set demographics uh, essentially related to it. Fortnite's a great example. I mean, I believe mm -hmm. their median age player is roughly 15. Um, so contingent on what that strategy is, is of the org, who they want to target, what their revenue model is, there's always going to be a demographic tied back to that. There has to be. Mm -hmm. And so relevant to that would be the IP. Um, so I believe the answer is yes, and we're already seeing that orgs attaching themselves to specific titles because they want more of the same of that demographic more than anything else. And then do you think that actually because of the fact that like games themselves have their own kind of, you know, fans and their own kind of loyal customers, which will, will buy in game, buy skins, buy, you know, kind of everything towards the game. Does that make it harder for kind of esports organizations to also kind of grab those, you know, fans as well? Because I, what I see from like traditional sports, like if you're a Man United fan in, in football or soccer, like you'll buy like stuff for Man United, but you won't buy stuff for football because the game itself is, you know, just the, a different entity. Whereas a game like Fortnite, you may be a FaZe fan, but are you going to buy a FaZe outfit or are you just going to buy a Fortnite skin? Does that make it harder? 
I believe it does make it harder. Um, but, you know, at the same rate, uh, there are elements of that, those additional channels that if tested and played right, once again, back to really breaking down the approach and in, in, in how you uh, set up that offering to your fan base can make a world of difference. So, yeah, I mean, the, the interesting part is there are aspects of the space with titles where there are times when we're kind of competing against one another uh, because of the offerings that are in game. There are other times where we're nurturing each other's offerings, um, providing additional exposure through our uh, combined networks. Um, so it's very interesting uh, to see how the reality is there are times where we're kind of competing with each other as well. Yeah, I, th I think it's it, it's fascinating to kind of see, you know, not only um, esports organizations kind of fight over fans and, and creating that loyal fan base, but also sometimes, you know, having to fight with the actual games themselves. It's something that you don't traditionally see with a lot of things in, in general. Uh, to kind of then conclude this uh, this podcast, really, I just want to talk about a little bit into the future. Everybody loves talking about the future and, and everything like that. So, in terms of converting fans into a loyal fan into a loyal fan base, how do you see kind of methods changing in the next couple of years? Is it just going to be uh, fanning? Is it just going to be monetization platforms, or is it going to be the likes of NFTs, cryptocurrency? There's a lot of other things which we haven't even mentioned, which could also be in play in in the couple of years. Yeah, you're right. Um, and yes, I see those as quite likely entering the space um, while being very careful, once again, to something new um, in an attempt to kind of overhaul something that's proven in terms of a model with an attracted following. So I believe, you know, for me, the future, at least in my opinion, is going to be based on organizations really focusing on the tangibles. What can we confirm that's tangible that we're offering up that we know our fan base will view as and value as? Mm -hmm. um, I know that may have been a bit of a vague um, response there, but you know, there are some, you know, fundamentals that I believe should never be out of sight. And that is that your content should always have something tangible a takeaway for that base. And I think as as well as we are as an org, other orgs will need to continue to focus on that in the future. And so it's kind of essentially looking at kind of what your goal is right now as an esports organization and then thinking, okay, here's the goal. It's whether it's to, you know, gain more loyal fan base or to get more members onto our membership platform or to increase our social media presence and kind of using emerging trends, emerging tools and kind of, you know, the world of esports around that to kind of gain those in. I'm guessing that's what you, you think then, yeah. Without a doubt, you're hired. Mm -hmm. That was a wonderful phrase. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, I think we'll I think we'll wrap it up there as I've just got a new job. So no, I'm joking. Exactly but, right. uh, thanks, thank you anyway, Rob, for for giving the time to chat with me. It's been a pleasure. Hey, Tom, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Wonderful podcast. I can't can't wait to watch more installments. Yeah, no, thank you. And like I said, we've got three others going on fan engagement as well, presented by Really.ai. So if you did enjoy this, then don't forget to watch the other ones as well. And then we've got even different sectors, which we're going to be in depth in as well. You can also follow us on Esports Insider. You can follow Rob as well and follow Aquatic Esports. We'll probably put the socials down there as well. But uh, thanks everyone for listening and we'll see you next time. Thank you.